Welcome back to the Joe Cozo Show. Today's show is sponsored by MyPillow.com. Make sure you go to MyPillow.com. They have up to 66% off. Punch in promo code TJCS. It's the only way that you're getting that type of discount. They have everything from Giza sheets, pillows, slippers, robes. My favorite is the bathroom towels because they are absolutely perfect. So make sure, again, MyPillow.com, promo code T-J-C-S. Also, if you get a chance, go to our YouTube channel. Make sure you subscribe. We're also on Rumble. You could also subscribe to all the streaming devices, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, you name it, we're on it. All right. Today's guest is one of, I got to tell you, this guy is a robot. He is a machine. He is what you call a true success story. His name is Brian Karp. He's a real estate agent, broker. He, right now, here's just a list of things that I want you to know about this man. Number one agent in Suffolk County, Long Island by units and volume. Highest rated realtor on Long Island. Do you hear that cash register? It's just ringing in the background as I'm saying this. Co-host, co-creator of The Real Estate Prodigy, featured on Channel 12 News Long Island. And here, you do the math when I say this number. He sold over 265 homes in 2021. Do the math. So without further ado, let me introduce you to Brian Carp. All right, welcome back to the Joe Cozo Show. We have lots to talk about. I got something going. I got something cooking here. This is the big leagues. It's New York. I said I was in the worst neighborhood, man. I said I had a near-death experience. Crazy? Robert. If you've been through what I've been through in the past month, you'd be, you'd be crazy too. All right. Brian Carp. I'm here. The infamous. I got to tell you, I'm really excited. I googled that word infinite. Infamous. It's not a good word. It's not a good word. No. Tell me why. It's just that I think it's uh, a negative word. So it would be like the, like almost like the villain. The villain, exactly. The villain is an infamous person. Yeah, exactly. Okay. All right. So that's something that I learned. I'm sure I'm going to learn a lot here from you. Um, Before we start getting into everything, I would like for you to... I would like to humanize you a little bit for a second okay. here. So one of the questions I like to ask people is, what's your favorite food? Challah bread, French toast. Challah bread, French toast. I love You love that too? I never even heard Absolutely. it. It's just regular French toast or is it something? No, that- it's a different type of bread. It's all about the bread. I'm obsessed with challah bread, French toast. Um, I also love crumb cake. Crumb cake Entenmann's crumb no, cake? No, no, that's uh, garbage. Don't okay. bring that garbage to me. It, All right. it, just because it has a, a spot at the end of the aisle. No, I like the Meat Farms makes great crumb, crumb cake. And what I also tell my boys, Brody and Brock, is when we go buy crumb cake from Meat Farms, we don't grab off the top. We go to the bottom. Because what the baker does is the baker puts all of the fresh cakes at the bottom. So the you know normal people grab from the top and they start to you know cycle through i go right to the bottom could get that gives you the freshest cake oh look at you mm-hmm. what about when you go out to dinner if you're going to go out to dinner right nice place whatever it doesn't matter what it is mm-hmm. what would be your your i would say your de- you know delicacy it what depends would be what thing that it you depends really what day i'm very very routined i'm very very regimented so it depends what day of the week I'm going out to dinner with you. Wait a uh, second. Depends, oh, yeah. and, that, and that will tell you what I'm going to eat, if I'm even eating. Um, so, What do you mean by that? So, so Mondays, 
if it's not in your if pizza's not in your day, you're not having pizza. You're I allowed would. to have one certain day, certain. Oh things. my god! On Mondays, I don't eat at all, and I wouldn't touch a piece of pizza for a million dollars on a Monday. I wouldn't have a, uh, alcohol on a Monday. Nothing like that. Why is it? What? What's the Monday? Monday starts the work week. For starts you? the work week. My calendar is even set up starting on a Monday. Right, so everyone else's calendar starts on a Sunday. I changed it in my iPhone that it starts on a Monday. Uh, to me, I feel that I get more accomplished in a Monday than people do all week long. So my whole Monday, I think I could run an entire week around somebody with the amount of um, stuff that I'm able to accomplish. So Monday starts your thing, but is what you eat, is that written down like say in your calendar? No, or is that just, a mental it's thing? It's a mental thing. It, it's just, it's, but it's, it's during the week. Like I, I'm, I, I look at myself as a professional athlete. Right, so like to have the blessing that I've that I have, right? This is a winning effing lotto ticket. So if I'm a professional athlete, I need to treat my body, my life, my mind like a professional athlete. So what does that mean, right? I'm not going out late and partying. I'm getting plenty of sleep. I'm getting my workouts in. I'm eating right. I'm putting the positive things into my brain and my head as a professional athlete, right? If you're gonna make millions and millions of dollars a year as a professional athlete, you should be a great steward of it. Brian Karp was gifted this gift of real estate, right? And this gift that I have here. So if I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna sure play this card to the full extent that uh, that is out there. Yeah, no, I, I love it. I love everything that you're saying about that. So let's talk a little bit about Brian Karp. Mm -hmm. For people that don't know who you are, give us a little background, where you're from, and a little bit about yourself. Sure, so I, kinda, I always call this my first comic book, okay? Uh, so I grew up in Belmore, grew up in Nassau County. Um, for anyone who's listening to this, this, is out of Long Island. Long Island is like a candy bar, right? Where, you know, 15, 20 minutes out of Manhattan, uh, where Long Island starts, and I grew up in Belmore, Nassau County. Brian Carp was never a school person, right, Joe? So I wasn't a bad kid in school, but literally had zero interest in school. So I'm the kid who's sitting in science class, my knee is racing up and down, and I'm staring at the classroom door and there's a clock frozen above that door. And that 45 minute science class feels like four hours long. You hated school. Hated school. So when you were in school though, right? I was in school, I, I had, you know, I wanted to be a professional athlete. I thought I was gonna be a baseball player or maybe a football player. You know, I had dreams and hopes and that's what I was daydreaming while I was in science class. What about you? When you were in high school, what were you thinking about, you know, when you saw yourself 10 years, Brian Karp at 28, say, senior in high school, what did you think that you were going to be doing? Rich. Like from a young, young age, I always wanted to, I was obsessed with money. I was obsessed with money. I'm not sure why, maybe we'll unpack that, but I, I was always obsessed with money. So I remember at a young, young age uh, when we used to write our names on tests, this is before you know computers and stuff, I used to write my name as Dr. Brian Karp. And the teacher's like, Brian, you, you can't call yourself a doctor, you don't have a doctorate. So then once they yelled at me for that, I used Esquire, just like you, right? Uh, and I, at the end of my name, I would write Brian Karp Esquire. And they're like, Brian, you can't do that, you don't have those titles. How did that make you feel though? Did you say, well, you know what? I'm going to, uh, maybe a lawyer is something that I'd like to do, See, or but maybe the, but, be a but doctor. Th those are what society thinks success is with those titles, right? You know, like the biggest thing that is so humbling to me is I today think I live in a mansion, right? Literally from wh where I grew up and from, you know, where we started from, I today believe I live in a mansion. I live in a gorgeous cul-de-sac in a gorgeous, you know, epic neighborhood. But when I stand in the middle of my cul-de-sac, and I do this from time to time, is you look at the neighbor's house next door to me, he's a lawyer. The guy across the street from him, he's a doctor. 
engineer, surgeon, anesthesiologist, fucking salesman. Right? So the only way that Brian Carp was going to get into this cul-de-sac, maybe we can call it the cul-de-sac of life, right? Or riches. Or riches, right? Is through sales. Because you didn't have it in you because the doctor thing didn't really do do it for you. The lawyer thing probably you're saying wouldn't do it for you. Are you saying that you had a different gift that you knew that you were able to? I didn't know I had a gift. Um, now I only know that I, I'm, I, uh, I, uh, I have the capacity to speak and I have the capacity to transfer energy and to teach and educate and motivate. I now know at almost 40 that those are my gifts, but at a young age, I didn't know that those were gifts that I had. Now, when you were in high school, you then went to college, correct? That is correct. Okay, when you went to Stony Brook, if I recall, when we had a previous conversation. Yes, but I only went to Stony Brook and I was only able to leverage myself to an education because I was a great athlete. So in the Brian Carr book, right, the book that was written about me for my life, um, school was not supposed to be something I did. I was never supposed to go to college. So zero interest in it, zero interest in school, zero interest in educate, in formal education. Um, so senior year in high school, right? Um, I'm at the crossroads because I got dad on this shoulder. My dad's a union construction worker, 40 years, overalls, big meat claw hands. Blue collar. Blue collar, right? He worked himself up to a managerial position. Um, and he said to me, Beach, school's not for everybody. He said, learn a trade. You'll always be able to feed your family. And the one thing about me is I've always been coachable. So I said, all right, pop. And I actually spent my last two years of high school going to a trade school to become an electrician. And that was the plan. Graduate high school and go out to the trades. Sounds a little though. Sounds a little, uh, you know, construed there because you, at one hand you wanted to be rich. That's all you're telling me that you wanted to do. But then on the other hand, you're going into trade school. I don't sounds know like you were doing something that you didn't really want to do. A hundred percent. But because listen, I had a dream to be. It's not even rich. I had a dream to be financially free and secure. So if that was the route, if your father, here's somebody, a father figure, obviously, yeah. somebody that you look up to and respect tells you, hey, one of the ways to financial freedom that you don't have to worry about it, learn a trade, and then forever you'll have a job and you'll be able to support your family. Exactly, 100%. So then I get gifted an opportunity because uh, I was a great high school athlete in multiple sports, football, basketball, lacrosse, all Long Island, all county, all American, offered scholarships across the board. And my mother's on this shoulder and she's like, wait, wait, free school? Like, you got to do this. You're crazy. So I'm like this. You know, what do I do? My parents had the most special relationship in the world, never fought about anything. And they had disagreements. Like, my dad's like, Brian, go on to the trades. You're 18. We'll get you in the union. By the time you're 21, you're making six figures a year, retirement, you know, all those stuff. And my mom's like, no, 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 follow your dream. You know, that's, that's, that, that's a tough... That's a tough thing to handle at a young age. As, as an 18-year-old, you have two parents wanting two different things for you, and you have to make a decision because if you make A, you might be disappointing one parent. If you do B, you might be disappointing the other. What did you eventually then do? Well, my dad was right. I should have went right out into the trades, but I wasn't ready to work. I wasn't ready to work physically, right? So I went to Stony Brook to, um, in my opinion, for me, I got to play football, something I love for four more years. Um, I will 
I was able to get a college education, which is important. Now it's, you know, I can show my kids, right, that I did that and I achieved that. Um, but it just kicked the can down the road because today what I do for a living in my business, you don't need any college education or advanced degree for that. What did you get a degree in? Uh, sociology and women's studies. Sociology in women's studies. I only what? chose those classes, Joe, is because they were classes that weren't big lecture halls. So they were small classes of 15, 20 students. And that's where I could, um, what's the word I'm looking for? That's excel? Excel, thank you. That's where I could excel because I could build a relationship with a teacher. And that's what I did, right? And even the ones that I had big three, 400-person lecture halls, I would get to know the teacher on a, on a personal level. So I, and that's how I met my wife in two of the lecture halls. I'd walk into a 400-person lecture hall. I'd be like, hey, Joe, how's it going? Right to the teacher. I would know all about them. They would know me. So you're never going to fail someone you know. That's a good point, too. Yeah, I didn't even think about it like that. So now here you are. You're in college, mm -hmm. playing football, doing well. And then you graduate, right? So you graduate now. What do you do? Do you say at that point to yourself, Brian, go into what you just majored in? Or now maybe is it, hey, now maybe I'll go into the trade school and do what my father. Because you pleased one. Now is it something that you think that you're going to please another? Yeah, so I graduated. I graduated, and it was two thousand. I don't know, two thousand five. Top of the of the real estate market. Top of the economy. Right. Um, couldn't get a job anywhere. And uh, my first job actually out of Stony And when you say top of the real estate market, like top of the real estate top, market. Top, because that's when I bought my house. Yeah. When somebody told me I was, you know, just a quick story for you since we, you know, I, you're the, the real estate guru. I was a district attorney at the time and I'm asking an old school attorney, like, you know, really reputable older attorney. And I said, you know, what is the best investment? What could I do to really help myself, you know, get it ahead? He goes, you buy real estate. And again, it was in 2005. He goes, you will never, ever lose any money. I bought the house. A couple of years later, the market crashes. I lost like $100,000 when I sold the house. So whatever. It's just a quick story. So, But here you are, graduating, right? right? You couldn't get a job, you said? Couldn't get a job anywhere. Really could, didn't know what I wanted to do. Didn't want to have to get into the construction and be like, Dad, you were right. So someone very influential at Stony Brook Athletics got me a job in sales. right? And I thought this was perfect. It was liquor sales. Okay, I was working for- Gary V. Uh, well, not not a, not like a, a, a store. Uh, it was a liquor route, right? And I won't say the name of the company. I don't know if they're even still around, but they were a major distributor of liquor. And it was, they their family member was a high executive. They got me this amazing job. And the way that it worked is each sales rep got their own route, okay? And some people's routes were in the Bronx, some was in Brooklyn, some was in Staten Island. And the way the training program worked was you shadowed somebody um, for two weeks on their route. And at the end of the training program, you get your own mini route and then you can build it from there. So I thought this was great, right? I was driving into the city doing this and I trained with everyone. And then my last week of training was with this guy named Alan. Okay. Alan was the creme de la creme. He, short guy, but he had beautiful black slick back hair. He wore the black leather jacket. He had the three series BMW and everybody wanted Alan's route, right? So now I'm 20 years old. 
and it's summer, it's August, and we're in the lounge, BMW, on a Friday, and we're eating these like Philly cheesesteaks, right? So me, you know, I, I'm, I think I'm hot. I'm all the curse here or no? Yeah, of course. Okay, I think I'm hot shit. You know, I'm 275 pounds, I'm jacked, and 20-something years old, just graduated college football, two-time All-American, and I say, Alon, how much money are you making? Alon told me how much money he was making, I went home that night. I told Jessica that I'm quitting, and then on Monday I resigned from that position. What was the? How much was he making? Sixty thousand dollars a year. It's not going to cut it for Brian Carr. Well, I said I don't even want to be making sixty thousand uh, dollars a month, right? So if Alon's got the creme de la creme route, the route that everybody and their brother wants, and he's only making sixty thousand dollars a year, I'm like, I can't even be in this 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 ecosystem with these people. And you know, it's something that you said right there that I want to just touch on. You just said something. I don't even want to be making $60,000 a month. That's a mindset, right? It takes some it takes a certain type of person to actually say that because if you if regular people having conversations and you hear somebody say I don't even want to make $60,000 a month, you know, a month, you know, people are like what are you talking about? That's a that's a nice living for some people for the for the 12 months. That and and I, I was about to get to a week Right, I don't even want to make sixty thousand dollars a week. Right, it, it, it's it, it's just the mindset, and I never say it, Joe, and I and I hope I never come off of this arrogant uh, person, but it's it's just listen, that is great for somebody else. That's just not what I want for myself. What do you how, so talk to me a little bit about how you get to that point in your life that your mind is thinking. You know, and, and it sounds to me that your mind is always on. You are always pumping the ideas. You are always trying to better yourself. You know, you could just tell by the right. way you're talking right I, now. I am hyper obsessed with becoming the best version of myself. And I'm hyper obsessed now that I've hit in certain other um, accolades in my life business is I'm hyper obsessed with continuing to improve on every capacity. And that's why now that I look at myself uh, and try to self um, reflect. reflect and analyze myself, that's why I'm so hyper obsessed with diet, nutrition, and, and athletics now because that's something that I can continue to move the needle with. You know, I always say that too. I say that on my show a lot. And I, you know, when I talk about myself and my life too, I always say, your body is your vessel, right? Would you, you know, you don't get a Ferrari and then put, you know, and don't change the oil. Yeah. You don't get a Ferrari and put really cheap gas in it. You you take care of it. You have to give it the high octane that it needs. Absolutely. Same thing with your body when you're talking about health. Because what as soon as, as soon as something happens health wise, mm -hmm. that ends everything. Every nothing else matters at that point. Yep. So let's take you back here for a second. You go home, you quit your job, you're like, I'm not doing this. Sixty thousand dollars, forget that. Yep. I'm done with that. But now you're not making anything. So then what happened was um, my father, my uncle, society, my grandmother, they convinced me to get a job, get a W-2 job and start trading my time for money. And uh, I was blessed. It's a great, I still play my union dues. I was a union construction worker for nine years. So talk to me about that, those days. You'd get up at what time? Yeah. You were in the city? 
<clears throat> so I was in the city. Uh, it, it, it was I had to do a four year apprenticeship program. I think one of the major one of the major. You're telling me I have something here? No, I got it. No, you, it's me. It's okay. me. It's okay. me. It's okay. me. <laughs> uh, I think one of the major things that I have, I'm able to bring myself right back to where I was. Um, 15 years ago, like that feeling and, and what it was. So basically what it was, the grind, the grind. And that's why, like, it's so easy to wake up today at 4am and put a suit on and sell and build and create because like I came from really blood money, right? I came from really working for money. Yeah. So using your two hands physical labor. So I respect everybody so much who does that. I'm a little, I'm a little confused though. Again, I'm going to bring this back for you because you quit the job for the sixty thousand, right? Yeah. Sixty thousand is not going to work. A union job, you're not making millions either, though. No, but everyone, everybody was like, oh, somebody benefits. had to convince you. Yeah, my dad, right? He was like benefits and retirement and pension and vacation checks and Jessica was pregnant and we had bills and we needed. I needed to. I didn't know anything about real estate really at that point, right? All that much. I didn't even have a real estate license. So what basically happened was I would wake up at four a.m. I would drive into Manhattan, okay? I would work from six to around one o'clock, straight through, I would skip coffee, I would skip lunch, and I did this for nine years straight. I did this while I built my real estate business, right? So, and I would walk around the construction sites, Joe, with headphones on. Now, this is before you had ear pods, this is before you had smartphones. I used to have one of those old iPods. And what I would do is I'd put every self-help, self-motivation, um, finance, money, real estate, this is even before podcasts, I would buy books off of Audible. And I literally, for seven hours a day straight, I got an education on my hour ride in, on my two hour ride out. And I did this for years after years after years. So I would walk around the construction site with a bandana on. I used to have to put the bandana over my ears because these were big union construction sites and you can't be wearing headphones. What if they say, move out of the way, right? Yeah. So I had to pretend, but to me it was the only way to get through the day. And I, I, I couldn't absorb enough information. So tell me a little bit about that, that, that whole experience. You said that you were listening to motivational. Give me some of the motivational things, you know, so people that are watching this and see your energy and see how, you know, eventually they're gonna learn how successful you really are. You're not, you don't just talk the talk, you walk the walk. You know, what, what, give us some pointers. What were you doing? Was it Les Brown? Was it Tony Robbins? Yeah, so this is back in the day before YouTube, before everyone and their, you know, everyone had a channel and a platform. Um, I was a big fan of, listen, it was, it was any, Anything finance, money, real estate. So it brings you back to the first book that really changed my entire life, right? So I graduate from Stony Brook. Uh, I get pushed to the liquor sales. That obviously didn't work out. I also, then I get pushed by my family and they all had the right intentions to get a union construction job. But right at that point, if you bring it back a little bit, I was given a book that changed my life forever. Right, and I always say to everyone, it was the first book I ever read cover to cover. But you guys who really know Brian Carp know that's not true because Brian Carp doesn't read. Right, it was the first book I ever listened to cover to cover, and this is bef- and this was even before you can put it on your iPad. I had a, a a yellow tape recorder. It's probably as big, Joe, as this um, device right here, and it was from the Dyslexic and Blind Organization, and they would put books on tape, and they were. Uh, 
old tapes that you would have eight different sides. It was crazy because books were so long. And I literally had it in the front seat of my LeBaron convertible at that time. And I just listened to this book. <laughs> and um, the book was Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And the book's by Robert Kiyosaki. And I was too naive and too stupid to thought that it wasn't written for me. And I literally thought the book was written for me. You just heard him, and, and I've listened to the book. I'm yeah. a huge Audible. Shoot, I love yeah. it. I love it because, like you said, it saves so much time. You're in your car. You can listen. I can't read a book while you're driving, obviously. Yeah. So I'm really, I'm right there with you. But that book, at that time, you're sitting there saying, this is what I'm going to do. This so is it. It kind of like opened up my eyes to real estate, right? Um, and I, yeah, the little purple book over there. And I was like, oh my God, they're talking about me. So while all of this is going on, getting, you know, quitting liquor sales, getting the union construction job, I run out and I buy a two-family house. So, right? but, but you're, you do this while you're being in the union, right? While I'm building the union because it was great because I had a W-2 job and I started off making $400 a week in the union. So you buy, you buy a house. Now, is this a house for you to live in? This is a house for Jessica and myself to live in, uh, but it was a two-family house and Jessica and myself lived upstairs. And I built an apartment downstairs, right? I remember late nights being up to like three, four in the morning building this apartment. You're right? doing it yourself. Myself, because I had no money, right? And Jessica's like, you're nuts. You're crazy. Like, go to bed. You have work the next morning. You just worked all night. Like, I'm a, I think about myself um, as a robot. I think about myself as a machine, right? There's, there's nothing that I cannot do or accomplish. And don't ever tell me that, like, you're tired or uh, you don't feel good. Like, those aren't fucking excuses, Everyone's making excuses. So Jessica was, and Jessica was trying to be nice, the nice wife, and say, honey, you worked all day. You got to be up tomorrow morning. No, 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 no. I'm finishing what needs to be finished, right? I'm laser focused because I knew once I built that apartment, that apartment ended up generating over $2,000 a month. And guess what our mortgage payment was? $1,900 a month. So your boy, Brian Carper, is living there at 20 something years old, making a hundred dollars a month. Look at that. No, actually making a, you're getting paid to live there. Making a hundred dollars a month. And I had the aha moment. And I said, this is it. This is what I'm gonna do in my life. That I'm right there buy. was the real estate moment for yeah, you. I'm you gonna, said, this makes sense. This makes sense. I'm gonna buy real estate. I'm gonna own rental properties, right? Because if now you look at it, take yourself out of the equation and you live somewhere else. Now you're making two. Incomes coming in there, so forget about the hundred. Now you're making two thousand dollars. Right, I, but I, what I looked at it, the reason I wanted the apartment is I knew that if I was gonna ma if I was gonna get my if I was gonna claw myself out of this union job, right, I had to do it slowly. Like everybody wants to be the COO, the the president, the Godfather today. Like you, you gotta put your fucking time in. You gotta work. So I knew that I needed to bring my expenses to zero as quickly as possible if I was gonna claw my way out of the union. But I knew I needed the union job because Jess was pregnant, we needed benefits, and I needed a, a stable check. And I didn't really prove to myself or the world that I can make this real estate game work yet. Right, so it, it was all, it's, it was all, this was all the plan. It wasn't a plan that I drew it out and said, I'm going to build this tremendous real estate business. I'm going to build a huge rental portfolio. I'm going to this, I'm going to that. It was just a plan as how am I going to make this all work? Well, I got to zero my expenses down. I got to get some steady money coming in. When, when you say zero your expenses down, what are we talking about here? Are you saying not going out on Friday night to go get dinner, cook your own food? Like, give me so, some Bri so Brian Karp is a no debt guy, right? I'm a no debt guy. I have no debt. 
If I can't write a check for it, Joe, I'm not buying it. Right. So let me and please make sure if, if I ever sound uh, brash or arrogant. No, but, no. Listen, but, you're so, no so, debt guy. That that makes sense. Right, so, isn't that what everybody is trying to achieve? Right. So, right. But, but OK, so if if uh, if Dave Ramsey, you've heard of Dave Ramsey, yes. right? OK, no debt guy. And Grant Cardone, this big over the top personality real estate guy, if they were able to birth a child, that would be me. Right, so I believe you should have this insane, crazy life. Everything you want, you want the Bentley, you want the nice watches. God bless you, have it. But you should also be able to write a check for it. So four years ago, uh, Jessica said, "Bright, you know, we we you're working your face off, and we're starting to do well. We're starting to get some traction. I would like to move up in house." I said, "Great, Jess. How much is the house?" She said, "Eight hundred thousand dollars." I said, "Great. The day I could write the check for it, we're going to buy it." A year later, I wrote a check for it and purchased it. I love that. But I'm not saying that to. But I'm not saying that to I be. I wrote a, a check for it. So when you say you wrote a check for it, I wrote and, a check I, and for I know it. we're facing. I know we're jumping ahead here in time frame here. But when you say you wrote a check, you bought the house basically cash. Yeah, I wrote a check for it. And then so now you live in that house and you don't have any mortgage at all. No mortgage. How does that feel? Honestly, tell so because you know you got people. This is, you know, when they buy a house, it's a life investment. They get a 30-year mortgage. They refinance. Next thing you know, they're 65 years yeah, old, Joe, and they owe more money Joe, on the because house. because it, it's society told everybody it's supposed to be a long-term goal. I just said, no, no, no. This is, if we want something, we write a check for it. Or we're not going to do it, right? Everybody wants to live for today. I'm not living for today, right? So the first decade of my game and my business, no one knew who I was. No one saw anything. Why? Because we were building the infrastructure. We were building a sound um, death star to be able to create what we have today. So when you were there, when you did that first house, right? And now you see that's a success there. I saw a success there. So what do we do from there? I shut my mouth. I worked unit construction like a good soldier. And I built my real estate business, right? Sold ten house, you know, three houses the first year. Friends, whoa, 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 hold on. I but, but I want to explain this to you. So I like everyone wants to quit tomorrow and jump into their passion. No, no, no. I fucking did construction for nine years, Joe. I made more money one month in real estate than I did all year in construction, and I still stayed for four more years. That's amazing. I, uh, that, that so understand that discipline. Understand that mindset of mine. But what, I, what I'm trying to get at here is so people could understand how to be a successful person because I want you to lay it out here. You buy that first house, and this is why I'm asking right. this type of this, this I'm sorry question. To interrupt. This is no, show. no, no, no. It's not that. But I want yeah. I want to learn too. Like yeah. I'm learning from you and listening to you. You you know it's very informative here, and you know people. If you want to be successful, you got to study success, in my opinion. Right. Right? You study successful people like you were doing. Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Yep, Robert Kiyosaki. Yeah. Right. Grant Cardone, yep. whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. So you War- buy that- Warren Buffett. Yes. Real successful yeah, you know, I, You know, it's funny that you say that. I learned a line from him the other day. Because now you see, I don't know what you are and if you invest or whatnot in the stock market or whatever. And, you know, the stock market is- you know, tumbling, it's doing horrible. And I was listening to something that he was saying on YouTube. He said, and it's a great line. He said, when everyone is living in fear, you start getting greedy. Yeah. And because everyone is bailing and the prices are down and nobody wants to touch anything is when you get that hunger and you get in there and then you start buying because eventually what's going to happen? It's going to go up. And you took advantage when everybody was nervous and scared. What did the Carp family do? Last Monday, when the market was as low as, it, as it's been in almost two years, I funded my SEP. 
right? Yeah. Money was sitting in the account. Money was on the sideline. I fully funded my SEP for the year because as a business owner, you can only do a, you know, write a certain amount. I fully funded it when everyone's running and yelling and screaming, right? Because I believe in America. I believe in the stock market so much. I just waiting for that opportunity. Yeah, it's just what it is. When it's there's all, blood in the streets. When there's blood in the streets. It's mm-hmm. a great line right there. So I just want you to just, you know, briefly get, go through it here. You get this first house. Right. You see that? You, you, you like that. When was it that you said, hey, See you later on this union job. Peace out with this thing. Almost a decade. Almost a decade. But when you did it, though, how, did you start? Did you get your real estate license before then? So, all right. So we the union thing is going right. Four year apprenticeship program, effing nightmare because I got to go back to school, right? And I literally only got through the apprenticeship program because I found a friend and I would just copy everything off of him. Right, sweetheart of a guy. He actually teaches the union construction program today. Sweetheart of a guy, and just I don't know why he liked me, and he would let me copy all of his tests and all of his stuff because the union's not going to give me a reader. They don't give a shit that Brian Carp's dyslexic. They don't even know what that is, right? Yeah. So they wouldn't give me a reader. So I just have to copy everything right off of him, and I ended up graduating through that. And during that process, I started building my real estate business. So first year, three houses, friends and family, then ten, then twenty, and I was probably selling fifty to seventy homes a year. Also. Being a full-time union construction person, but when you but, but but when you say that you're selling, you have a real estate license. I got my real estate license, right? Oh, because okay. I realized that the only way that I was going to be able to um, make money was sales. But you're but you're working for someone, right? At that time, or are you are you a broker and you're doing it yourself? No, I'm I uh, I got my real estate license as a real estate agent, and I'm working. The way it works as a real estate broker is the real estate broker holds someone's license and that salesperson can sell houses. So you could still make a ton of money. I made all, all of the the money that I've made in real estate was not, you know, today I'm a partner in the real estate brokerage and have a bunch of other ancillary businesses, but the millions and millions of dollars that the Carp family have accumulated. I love how you talk about this. You talk about it as, as an empire. Mm-hmm. The Carp family. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. You talk about because people don't talk like that. Let's be honest. I'm sorry. It just, no, it no, just comes natural. It's you. It's just what it's I'm thinking. You. Yeah, no, it's no, just no. What I'm, thinking. I, I'm not knocking it. Because I'm not playing for myself anymore. I'm I'm playing for my kids' kids. You're playing for the right? carp legacy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Listen, there's always gotta be some crazy motherfucker in uh in a family tree that just decides to put his stake in the ground and say it's never gonna be the same. And that I made that decision for us. It's never gonna be the same. It's gonna be different, right? You know, listen, the Rockefellers, obviously I'm never gonna get to that level, but there's gotta be someone who says, No, 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 no. I'm not going to have this anymore. I'm going to change it. And that's what you did. Right. That's what I did. So so go back to this whole real estate thing. So you're an agent. I'm an yeah, agent I, selling a lot of houses. I can't believe because you, you now you're working almost like, almost 18 hours a day, right? Or something like that because you're going, you're doing the union job. Mm-hmm. You're coming back. You're getting off at one. You're probably coming home around three because of the traffic, 2.30, yeah. whatever. Showering because I put fiberglass insulation on myself and then I'm cold calling and banging doors, door knocking and prospecting and building a business. But Joe, while I'm building this business, which I ended up building into a pretty large business, what did I do with all the money, right? So everyone today is very impressed with all of my sales accolades, right? Brian Carp, number one real estate agent in Long Island, Brian Carp, number one this, Brian Carp, number one that. But no one really asked, what did you do with all the money? That's what should be impressive. What's impressive is the empire that we built, the rental portfolio that we've uh, put together, right? So what what happened is we had the first house. We were able to zero our expenses down. Then I shut my mouth, right? 
I'm only out there today now because I want to inspire others, but we shut our mouths, right? I did the unit construction job. I went through the apprenticeship program and I started slinging some houses. And what did we do? We saved up enough money and we bought house number two, right? Once we bought house number two, now Jessica and myself were living there for nothing. We had $1,200 extra a month coming in. I'm like, this is good. 1200 plus your salary from the union job. Right. Plus you have no mortgage no, on this. Well, uh, so then that, that was our first house, right? So then we bought the second house. Then we shut our mouths and I bought the third. And then, right, but this is, I'm, we're looking at it like quickly, but this is over a long period of time, right? So the first few years for the Carr family were very, very slow because we had to save up enough money to buy the houses. But then once we started to get a three, four, five houses, now we could start living off the passive income. And then what? We're so blessed. The business is firing on every cylinder. We're selling hundreds of homes a year, right? What do we do with all that money? There's a Camry in your parking lot here. 2010 with 200,000 miles. Oh, I know. When we I buy first, anything sexy. When I first met you, I mean, this is, you, see, what people need to understand, you, this isn't an act. Mm -hmm. This you're. This is you 24 seven. Mm -hmm. I used to, you know, go to the same gym as you. We were in a networking group together. This is exactly you. And then when I went outside and we, after that networking group that we were in, the first time I met you, mm -hmm. You were driving in a two-door, four-door, it looked like an Escort, Ford Escort. I don't even right. know what it was. What, what What's the, what, the car it's that you It's a drive? 2010 Camry. Yeah, 2010 Camry. And I'm like, wait a second. That's it. This guy's not in a $90,000, you know, Mercedes Benz. Nope. Because why? Well, why isn't Brian Carp in a $90,000 Mercedes Benz? Why are you driving the 2010? Because that stuff doesn't get me excited. And that I'm not putting my money into anything that doesn't generate more money for me. So listen, Brian Carp has a talent. I have a gift. I'm able to make a, a small pile of money. But a small pile of money doesn't change your family tree forever. But you know what does? A stream of income. I'm playing for streams of income right? And that's what I've been able to do, right? The Carp family has been able to build these piles of money and we've taken our piles of money and put them in and turned them into streams of income forever. That's how you build a legacy. That's how you build generational wealth. How, so tell me, let's fast forward now in this whole, you know, progression of the Carp legacy. I like that you picked that up. I never even thought oh, about yeah, that. Oh, yeah. I about mean, it. it's, but it's all language. It's, yeah. it's just what I think. It's because yeah. I'm so psychotically dumb to not, not think anything else. No, but it's great though because I'll tell you why. You're laser focused. Yep. And you don't give a shit about what anybody else is thinking. It's what Brian Carp needs to do at that moment, at that second, and everything else doesn't matter. So that's why I, you know, that's why I respect what you're doing mm -hmm. and how you're talking. You you eventually have to leave this union job. Right. Tell me about that. But tell I, le me about I left the it quietly and respectfully. Right, I came into my boss one day and no one in the union really even knew I was doing construction because when I was there, I was the best worker. I worked my tail off, right? Oh, you mean I, nobody knew that you're doing real estate? No, because I, I'm, you ever see the movie Shawshank Redemption? Yeah, of course. Okay, my favorite scene is when uh, Henry, uh, when uh, Henry, well, what, is that his name? The main character who doesn't commit the murder, but the- I think so, I think right. his name's Henry. Okay, um, he uh, escapes from Shawshank that day and he doesn't tell anyone, the only difference is he's wearing shiny shoes. Right? So I was building this real estate business, building this empire, doing the right thing, right? Paying off any other debts, doing everything perfectly. And then one day I just walked in and I said to my boss, I'm leaving. I said, do you need two weeks notice? And he said, w what are you doing? I said, oh, I'm gonna go real estate full time now. 
So right? I was like, what do you mean? I don't even because know. Everyone, because every, every, everyone, listen, everybody is out there showing their highlight reels, right? I'm quiet about everything. I'm only a little bit more boisterous today because I'm trying to help others understand the, the, the sheer possibility out there. But we were strategic. We were building our, our empire slowly and steady slowly and steady were you were, so when you leave this place and, and and i'm only asking this so so people can get an idea if they wanted to get into real estate and if they have this these ambitions of maybe selling houses you know when you left the union job were you still working under a brokerage that you were a real estate agent and then they were still getting commission off of your commission yeah but so th that's a misconception uh, by a lot of people you know you could be uh, as a real estate agent I was making more money than a lot of the broker owners, right? They don't call it a real estate broker for no reason. A real estate broker is broke, right? But, you know, just joking around to that capacity, the real money is made from the real estate agents, right? The real money in real estate is belly to belly, you selling a house for somebody, right? So I uh, only became a partner at my brokerage today two years ago, right? And which is great. And I believe in the business. I believe in everything that they're doing and what we're trying to achieve. But that's just another stream of income. That's just another ancillary stream. The real money made in real estate was me belly to belly as a real estate agent selling houses for people. There was a point though, and, I, and I'm, I'm bringing this up because it was something that we discussed at another time. You had a health scare at one time. Right? I did. Talk to me about that. When was that in this time frame here? Tell me a little bit about that and how you got through that. Sure. So. It's also, I, I, Joe, I think about myself a lot as like a racehorse, right, that has the blinders on. And I guess it, it's, it's possible because of not really having a huge education. I don't know that, you know, something is really important or as we spoke about earlier before the show started, I don't really, I'm not into the news. I'm not watching politics or any of that stuff, right? So um, what basically happened was my senior year in college, um, I go to the trainer. Her name was Kathy. Right. And I said, Kathy, you know, I have a lot of pain in my groin. So she's like, carp, hit the ice bath. Right. So I sit in the ice bath on Tuesday. Um, Kathy, it was Wednesday. I hit the ice bath. It's still bothering me. She said, carp, hit the ice bath again. Right now it's Thursday. And if you don't practice Thursday, you don't play in the game. So I'm like, Kathy, like I'm, I'm in a lot of pain. She's like, all right, carp, go to the hospital. Team doctor's there. They'll check you out. Right. So I go over to, I think it was Mather Hospital. And um, they put me in the waiting room. 10 minutes later, they, you know, and I'm 275 pounds, always wearing a tank top, showing the arms off. And uh, they- You still do that till today. So let's not, yeah. Let's do that till today. Yeah. And God bless you, but go ahead. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. It's funny because- Jess said, you know, if you uh, if you ever, I, when we were younger, we used to go out to dinner a lot, and we still do, and I used to wear sleeveless shirts, and a lot of restaurants wouldn't let us in because you need to have sleeves on. So I said, Jess, you know, why do they keep busting my chops? They don't bust Hulk Hogan's chops. She's like, yeah, because you're not a fucking millionaire like Hulk Hogan. So I said, well, one day, will they just let me in with no sleeves? Maybe. 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 So back to the story. So what basically happens is they bring me into, um, I don't want to say like an operating room, but they bring me into a, a room to examine me, right? And um, they, uh, it was a sonogram, right? So they start doing a sonogram on my testicles. Are you at all at this time, you know, because I'm a hypochondriac and when, when anything no, is wrong I'm with like me. this. Because this is really before cell phones are big. I'm like this, so, right? And for people who are just this listening is inconvenience this, for you. I'm inconvenienced and annoyed, and I keep checking why is this taking so long. So one doctor walks in, they do a sonogram, that doctor leaves. A third, a second doctor comes in, does another sonogram, they leave. 
the third doctor comes in. Now, in the third doctor, I now today in hindsight, I should have known something was wrong. They don't bring multiple shifts of doctors in, right? Yeah. Then they don't tell me anything, right? I'm basically nude except for like a little gown on me, right? And all of that cream all over me that they use for the sonogram. They put me in a room and say the doctor will be in with you shortly, right? Now I'm PO'd because it's getting close to practice time. No one's told me anything, right? So I start sticking my head out in the hallway and I'm like, hello. Hello. Oblivious. Oblivious. To I, am, I need that gift. I don't have that gift. I have anything that hurts me at all. I have this, this whatever that I go right on Google. I search it and I instantly think yeah. I'm about to die. Yeah, because you're not, you need to change your mindset, Joe, into you're a robot and you're a machine. Right, I'm a robot on a machine, and what's going on here? Why are they bothering me? Just tell me what's wrong so we can move on. You so, are a robot. So this I, is taking out of your time. This is now going to bump other things in your calendar. Absolutely. And Brian Carp, yeah, yeah, I'm can't frustrated have with it. this. I can't have this. Right, yes. even at, in 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 college. Right. Yes. So finally, the doctor walks in, and you know, he's like, "I don't know how to tell you this, son, but we found a tumor." And I said, "Okay, what does that mean?" He's like, "Well, you know, we don't know really if it's cancerous or what is it, but we found a tumor." So then I'm like, "All right, that's fine. It is what it is. All right, just tell me what we got to do." He's like, "Well, we really should talk to your parents. We should probably do surgery and remove the tumor." So I said, "Okay, that's fine." So we leave, and I walk outside, and my truck has a flat tire. So I'm like, "Wow, this is really uh, this bad is a, day. this is a bad day." But I'm not really upset or you know taken back by that. I I finally get my a cell phone and I call uh, Jessica and I call my parents and we end up meeting at the diner and having holly bread French toast uh, that day. And next thing you know, they race me in for emergency surgery. And the next day, um, they were removing the tumor. They remove the tumor and find out it's cancerous. So now I'm like, "Holy shit, what's this?" I still am so psychotically know nothing. I'm like. Okay, it's cancerous. What does that mean? Like, well, you know, it's cancerous and it looks like it might have spread to your stomach. So we need to do four rounds of chemo and we should also remove your intestines and scrape all the lymph nodes and do all of that. Long story short, I do four rounds of chemo. Which How does that feel? I mean, and, and, I don't, and I don't mean to cut your story off here. No. 20-year-old kid, cancer. Now you have chemo. You're doing four rounds of chemo. What's going through your mind at this time? I was just annoyed that it was going to affect my workouts because the way it worked was I did a full week on and then a week off and then another week on. So um, I was just annoyed that it was going to interrupt my my process from me. And look, picture this. I go into the first chemo because I'm so stubborn. You are a rare breed. I go into the first <laughs> the first chemo. Uh, my mom wants to come with me. I won't let her. Jessica wants to come with me. I won't let her. Why, what? though? Uh, for embarrassment? Or? No, because I'm like, guys, don't mess up your days. Like, don't mess up your oh, stuff. This I is no big deal. It's just, I'm already inconvenienced. Yeah, I don't want to inconvenience you. you. It's just eight hours of them hooking up. Some, eight hours. Because they wanted to... I was 20 years old, and they're like, listen, let's really kill you with as much chemo as possible. And chemo, for everyone who doesn't know, they basically try to kill you. They try to bring you down as low as possible to kill the cancer. So I picture this. I walk into the chemo, right? I'm wearing a tank top, right? I bring a muscle and fitness magazine, and I pack my food with me, which is grilled chicken and yams. Because I'm like, well, I don't want this to mess up my diet. You know, I'm in the middle of whatever I was doing. If I was trying to gain, lose, I don't know what I was doing back then, right? So I just didn't, I, I, I saw the entire cancer as a big inconvenience. I saw it as that, like, maybe I needed knee surgery. And it was just going to set me back for a month or two. So now I go into Stony Brook Hospital. 
my parents obviously think this is a huge thing, right? We raced me to Morrow Sloan Kettering in the city. You got to see the best doctors. And I was like, guys, just tell me what needs to be done so I can move on and I can get going. Because I realized that I wasn't going to go play professional football. Even though I was a two-time All-American, I realized at a young age I wasn't going to play professional. So I was said, all right, I need to get through this chemo so I can graduate college, so I can get out there in the workforce and start making money. Go into the first chemo, right? Now, this week, I'm supposed to go Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I walk into the first chemo, and the nurse, you know, I have these huge, like, um, almost like um, like uh, electric line veins, right? I'm very, I've always been very vascular. So the, the nurse is like, this is great. We're going to hit you right in the vein. She hits me in the first vein, and I have, I guess, my first, like, panic attack. And I'm like, I just, like, I, I, I got, like, I couldn't breathe, all sweaty and hot. And... I had to, you know, s- realize that I wasn't superhuman at that point and gut check reality. It was a little bit of a gut check just because I, I, I couldn't control it. Right. You know, um, and I ended up the chemo was one of the toughest things I ever to get through. But uh, the whole time I was just like, listen, I just got to. How did your body react to the chemo? It got um, I felt dirty. So I used to come home from the chemo and take a shower. And for like hours. Is it because you are a health freak to begin with and now you feel like there's poison in your body? Yes, it was poison. It's poison. It is poison. But I used to, I still wouldn't let it, let me miss my workouts, right? I wouldn't miss my workouts. I wouldn't miss my running. I would sometimes go to the, go to the track after chemo and just run. You didn't feel. I felt terrible. I felt like death. But you did it anyway. I felt by the fourth round of chemo, I couldn't put anything in my stomach. I was so nauseous. I just didn't want to lose my routine, right? So what I would do is it, the chemo got so intense uh, by round four because it's cumulative, right? By round four, I couldn't uh, work out the weeks that I was doing chemo because it was eight hours. My thought was I would do chemo uh, on Monday and then Monday afternoon I'd hit the gym. I couldn't by the fourth round, right? I was like the walking dead by the fourth round. I couldn't even go to the bagel store and I love a bacon, egg, and cheese. When you say that you couldn't do anything, what do you mean by that? Do you, because you were so tired or is it your body, your body was weak? My body was weak. I was tired. So what were you now? Did did your train of thought change a little bit here? No. Did you start saying to yourself, was there ever a point that you said to yourself, Hey, Brian Carp, you may die. No, not even for a second. Never even thought about it. Never. Never. I was just annoyed by it. I just knew that we were doing four rounds and it was going to be cumulative. So I wanted to make sure that I got through the round and I wanted to get through the week of chemo. So then the the next week I can get back to my workout and my running. What about God? Did you have a relationship with God during this? No. Did your relationship change with God during this? No, there was no relationship with God or a higher power or anything to that capacity. Nothing. Nothing. Do you look back at that now and, 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 you know... God forbid it happened when you were this age. Mm-hmm. Do you think that your mentality would be different with God or anything like that? Or do you think that you'd be the exact same way you were when you were 20? The exact same way when I was when I was 20. You know, the, the thing is that things happen to you and you want to make you, you you think it teaches you something. To me, it was just an annoyance, something I needed to get through because that's my that's my discipline level. That's my mindset with everything. So how did you how did you come out of it? What was the how, you know give me a little bit of a play by play on you stop the chemo the four rounds mm-hmm. you have to go back to the doctor eventually how does it you know what's the news what do they do do they take out your intestines No do we they- opted not to thank God I had my wife Jessica and my parents who did a lot of research and said that it was only you know a few of the people that the cancer came back from taking out the um, lymph nodes and all that and we opted 
opted not to do that. And then we opted just to, you know, get scans every few months. And they, the further apart you get, the more and more they uh, progress away from it. And, you know, today I'm in remission and cancer free, you know. What, so what was the news when you got the news? Right, that you were cancer free, that you're in remission, that you finally go back there and they they, they took out and they said, I knew it was gonna like I'm such a mental thing. I knew everything was gonna be fine, and I knew that the news was gonna be it was perfect. So it was almost as you go there. I was it's like, like, yeah, of course okay, I told you guys. Thanks, this. thanks yeah, for guys, everything. You did a great job. Everybody did the job. Yeah, I appreciate that. I told you guys this. Like, you know, come on, let's go. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. Now, did you change? Now, when you did that. Did you change the way you ate? Did you eat health? Or were you always just healthy and this was just something that you came out of nowhere? Just came out of nowhere. I blame baby powder for it. Really? I was always a big baby powder person. And I think there was some major class action lawsuits. That's about the Johnson & Johnson yeah. you put down there. Yeah, because I was always an athlete my whole entire life. So that could Did be it. Yeah. You? I'm sorry. No, no, there's a big okay. bar there, so it doesn't even matter. Mm -hmm. So, okay, so let's now, it's, it's amazing. And congratulations that you do that you know, that you did that. Does that make you think though that you beat cancer? Does that give you now more confidence in your life? Like, you know, something that, yeah, some people look at it as an inconvenience or, or, or that as I don't a death even bring, I don't. I sometimes forget about the cancer story. I don't even bring up the whole cancer thing. It's amazing how that, how, how you handled that. And it just, it, it, it coincides exactly who you are in general. Cause Joe, I'm in just, I'm in such a, uh, everyone's just, everyone is, is wasting their time, right? They're not moving quick enough. They think that like, that you're gonna get another one of these lives, right? Like I'm taking every day as, as hard as possible. I'm playing every day. I know it sounds corny as my last day, right? You know, I, I coach, I, uh, I do some, um, you know, uh, coaching. I coach people one-on-one -on -one in real estate and in life. And I was like, to one of my students, I'm like, play this week and make it the best week of your life because that's how I'm playing every single day. When you, let, let, now let's get into the real estate game. Sure. Right? We're in. So now you're in it. Now you're doing it. You're done with this whole thing. Yeah. What makes you, what makes Brian Carp different than every other real estate agent here on Long Island? So everybody, society teaches everybody that they should be really good at a lot of, a lot of things, right? You know, you should be able to, you know, you should be able to know speak how to use well. a, speak well, use a computer. You should be able to write. You should be able to play a musical instrument. I believe the exact opposite. I believe you should become legendary. You should become the best. You should become so incredible at one single thing and then everything else will come together. So what I have been able to do is I've been able to become the most hyper-obsessed person with residential real estate in Suffolk County. There is nobody who knows more about what is going on. There is nobody who is obsessed with the data. There is no one selling more homes. There is no one doing more of his own personal transactions than me. And what I'm able to do for all of my home sellers is I'm able to give them that inside knowledge. I'm able to give them that inside advice, almost like it's, remember, I'm selling 200 homes a year. Which is bananas. Bananas. Because, but That's it, money. <laughs> you are, you are, man. People don't realize. Eric, can you pull up some of his homes that he's selling right now on his website? Because we got a, 
I got to But so but everybody wants to to be really well-rounded. Brian Carp is not well-rounded. Brian Carp doesn't know anything about music. Brian Carp doesn't know anything about culture. Brian Carp doesn't know anything except money and real estate. You said that, you know, before we started the show and I asked you about a couple of things like do you do this or you know what do you what do you think you like? I don't watch TV. Right. I don't do that. Like I asked you about Game of Thrones. You're like I have no idea. Yeah. I talked to you about the news. You're like, "Joe, I don't watch any news is that really true you don't watch any, any of the news, news or care about anything going on why is because i can't change it right all i can do is do what i'm doing and become the best at it and become right you have to be hyper obsessed you have to i'm the guru there's no one in long island that knows more about real estate than me when did you say to yourself that that's what brian Karp needs to do I need to just be doing that and nothing else. Is that something that you 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 gain through experience and as time goes on? Is that something that you sat there and said, you looked in the mirror and said, this is it? This is what I'm doing? Like, I am how so, it- I'm so lucky that I found my calling, right? This is my addiction. This is my oxygen, right? This is everything. I love it, right? So... I am just so lucky that it, it makes me a great income to feed my family, right? I am just, I'm someone who, right, we spoke about how interviewing people and meeting people and, and sharing in their energy is your passion. I'm just so lucky that real estate is my passion. And pays well. And pays very well. So you don't care if, if Donald Trump's president, you don't care if Joe Biden's president, you don't care about Black Lives Matter, if they're doing this, or if Antifa is doing that, or if January 6th is happening. That's all outside noise to you that never comes in. I don't even know what's going on in January 6th. Nothing. Should I put something in my calendar? Yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I don't, right? Because I'm so in my own game. I am, listen, I am building my own movie. I am writing a movie of my life. I am writing a book of my life. So I don't got time for that stuff. I want to go into this now here because this is, I feel like I'm on a Netflix special here watching some real estate movie, you know, whatever, real estate documentary or whatever it is. I want to go, these are the houses that you're selling. Right? These, are, these are not all of them. So what's happening here is they're bringing you to the website and then you made a click and they're bringing you to multi-million dollar estates. So this is not yours? No, these aren't my personal houses. No. Let me ask you this then. Okay. That's your fault, Eric. Mm-hmm. No, I don't care. No, it's the websites are good. They f- funnel they f- you into they things. They funnel you into things. So, my listings. Go to his, his says his listings. So let me ask you this. Yeah, or just put you put Brian Carp in the Google. Zillow will come up. We'll have all of my listings. There we go. These are my stuff. Here we go. Give me some houses. Give me like the the most expensive house that you have sold. So I always. Um, is that something that you're always trying to, is that the thing for you, get the highest listing because that's where the most money is? No, not not really. That was really never, that was really never the thing. You know, the becoming the number one real estate agent in Long Island and selling the most homes in Long Island was is just a byproduct, Joe, right? So what do I mean by that is I knew to, like I have, a, like my end game is to build a huge, tremendous passive income stream, right? So everyone else was competing to sell a lot of houses. I was competing to, for a different, a, 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 does it make sense? Like a, a different level. Like everyone's playing to be the number one real estate agent. Everyone's playing to sell a bunch of houses. I'm not even playing for that. I'm playing to build a real estate empire, to build a legacy for my kids' kids, right? To change Brody and Brock's lives forever. 
So everyone's trying to just sell some more houses and, and compete on that level. I'm not even playing on that level. Yes, I need to do well at that because if I can't do well at that, I'm not able to make money to be able to invest in real estate. You know, I want to. There's a couple of topics that I want to talk about. You know, in this real estate game because right now, you know, well, let's talk about selling real estate before COVID. Right, so before COVID hits, and that's when we, and that's when I really started knowing you, you're selling houses. And then all of a sudden COVID hits and everyone, it's, it all of a sudden it turns into basically a seller's market, right? Can you just explain to people what was going on at that time, how the market shifted from a buyer's market? Because, you know, and I'm gonna give you my own personal example. We were looking at houses, my girlfriend and I, and, at that time before COVID, you would say, say the house is selling for 500,000. You put an offer in for say 475. Right. You would never put an offer in for what it's listed as. Right. And then all of a sudden, like that, bidding wars started happening, which is great for a real estate agent. It's great for, listen, I couldn't be more blessed, right? So- <laughs> You son of a bitch. But I, I, but I, I couldn't be. I, look I couldn't, look at you. But I couldn't be because- so Look at you. If you look, if you look at real estate markets, historically real estate markets run in 10 to 12 year cycles. Right, so 2008, blood in the streets. Right, I'm begging people to buy houses. From 2008 all the way until January 2020, the real estate market really kind of went up. Right, slowly. It started off slowly, three percent, five percent. We had some large gains from 17 to 19. I look at Jessica, January 2020. This is before COVID. This is before Corona. This is before anything. And I said the market's changing, and she's like, "You're crazy." Your face is on everyone's front lawn. You're working 90 hours a week. What are you talking about? And I said, listen, it's not that I'm not busy. It's just I don't feel the same energy and excitement. And it was right around the election. It, and it made sense because you've never, if you look historically, do the research, right? Uh, you've never seen a real estate market run for more than a decade. And we were already on 12 years because of all the you know money being put into the economy and all those things. Stimulus checks and whatnot. All of that. Yeah, all of that stuff, right? And then... COVID hits and the entire real estate market is basically frozen. It, it, it stops on a dime, right? Are you at that point nervous at all? Well, so I, I, you know, today me and Jessica have one of the largest no debt rental portfolios in Long Island. I love that you have your wife involved in this. Mm -hmm. She an agent? She is not. She, she has a real estate license, but she doesn't actively uh, sell houses. It's something else. It says a lot about your character. Mm-hmm that you always, and, and, and it's from the beginning of this interview until this moment right here that I've noticed it, you never talk by yourself. You never talk just about you. You talk about you and her, and she's not really involved. Well, maybe she is behind the scenes and she's helping you out, doing whatever it may be, taking care of the kids, which is, in my opinion, a full-time job. Oh, 100%. 100 yeah. Listen, I'm a, self, I'm a selfish person in the aspect that I want it all, Joe, right? I want to have this incredible business. I want to have incredible relationships with my kids. I want to have this marriage that people are jealous about. I want to have everything, right? So I had to find the right person that was able to help me create that. I don't just want to be this this successful business owner and not have an amazing marriage and amazing kids and amazing relationships. Does it ever take a toll? Has, did she ever say to you, hey, Brian, you know, you're working too much. You're doing too, you know, we're not spending enough time together. Absolutely. Absolutely. It happens all the time. How do you juggle that then? So everyone's, people ask me this all the time. They're like, Brian, you know, how, how do you balance it? You can't fucking balance it. Right when you have when you have such a large goal, you, you you can't balance it. Right, you become obsessed with it, uh, you know. And the nice thing about Jessica, she's always been able to kind of put me in check because sometimes when you're an addict, like I'm an addict, right? When you're an addict, you don't see it. You don't see it in yourself, 
right? You know, I today, you know, am, am very, very disciplined, but you don't realize when you sometimes over the top with things. Right? And, and she's that she's that. sometimes she'll stop me and uh, we're very routine I always say if the mafia wanted to kill Brian Carp it would be very easy because they know you know what days I come home this time I am so routined right so what she'll do is sit down with me and we have to get control of the schedule again so so let's talk about that and we'll get back to the 2019 COVID yeah. when COVID hit so we'll, we'll come back to that sure. in full circle but tell me about Brian Carp's day tell me about your routine because I know that you said that you're obsessed. We were talking about food in the beginning, and you're like, well, it depends. It's, you know, Monday's no pizza. Yeah. Give me Brian Carp's routine and how it developed, it, you know, and how routine is it? It's, it is, it, the, the, so the, the two things that I can, if I want to give anybody advice, the two things out there is to have a routine, stick to it, right? And then continue to raise the temperature in your life. And that's what I continue to do, right? I, master one thing, right? I'm able to do it. Like today, you know, today in my life, I'm doing cardio six days a week. Why am I doing cardio six days a week? Because I started off doing it two days a week and I liked the way it made me feel. Then three days, then five days. And I said, well, why shouldn't I do it six days? I started off fasting, right? Three days a week for 16 hours. Now I fast six days a week. Are you doing the 16, eight? What do you do when you I say sometimes, fast? Listen, I, I, just, I just like to push myself. I like to challenge myself. I like the discipline of fasting, but it, it goes back to everything in my business, right? You know, real estate agents want to know what to do to be successful, prospect, right? When I was building my business, I prospected, you know, four hours a day, six days a week, 24 hours a week. I was cold calling, door knocking, soliciting myself. People want to be successful in real estate. Just do that. See, the thing is, is you do, you did the work. A lot of people want success, but they don't want to put the work that it entails. And a lot of people look at Brian Karp right now and say, oh, this guy got lucky. Look at him. Overnight success. Overnight success. But yeah. they don't realize the nine years that you were going back and forth into the city building that empire. Yep. Right? You know, it, it's the it's that one oh moment that people think, oh, he, he's just he got found or he got yeah. he he got lucky or what do they not. say? The uh the splat in the pan or like the uh you don't know the splash in the bucket or something yeah, like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. He just came on the scene. No, 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 no. I've been grinding my face off for a decade and a half. So, building so, this business, building this empire, building this reputation of always doing the right thing, always, you know, you're like, Well, Brian, what separates you every home seller in Long Island needs me on their side there is nobody more knowledgeable about this game and going to be able to protect them at a higher capacity than me do people get jealous of you I'm sure they do but do you see it at all do you see people is it a, you know the real estate business like you know I'm in the attorney world mm -hmm. and you can see it's some cutthroat attorneys and some you know whatever and I'm sure that's in any profession but because of the amount of success that you had. I'm sure that, you know, there's, there's, listen, the, the, the more successful you become, the more haters that are out there. But um, I don't, I, I like to think that I, I don't have an ego, right? Um, I don't have an ego because to me, th what I did is not really that special, right? And there's nothing special about me and every single person who's listening to this could achieve this. They just have to do it and not talk about it, right? And do it not just for a day and not just a week, and not just a year. Do it for a decade and then come to me and tell me it didn't work. Tell me again now, let's get back to it. Mm -hmm. What time do you get up in the morning? 4 a.m. 4 a.m., like yeah. clockwork. Like clockwork. Do you, do you snooze? Do you get up, You know, or is it just 4 a.m., the alarm is on? The alarm, the alarm goes off and I'm excited to play the day, right? Because I feel like I have another day to play. So I gotta tell you right there, 
a lot of people in their lives don't realize right there that moment of I'm excited to play the day and then there's the people that the opposite of that is oh I gotta get up out of bed your Monday's my favorite day of the week I'm like yeah oh yeah I get to put the pads on again and I get to play everyone's gotta find what they love to do if you can't find what you love to do so you get up and then what talk to me so I get up my routine's it's, you know, it's evolved. As I say, you always try to raise the temperature. It's evolved. I go downstairs and I don't touch my cell phone. Still, so 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 the moment that you got up so far, you haven't touched your cell phone, which is huge. huge. A lot of people I'm sit not, there yeah. and they'll be in bed for 30 minutes no, from no, no. the time they get up because they're on Instagram, they're on Twitter, they're on TikTok, they're on Facebook, they're on whatever, yeah. and the next thing you know, 30 minutes is gone. I'm you don't gonna, have 30 it's, minutes. It's like poison. It's like, why would I put poison into my body first thing in the morning, right? So I go downstairs, I turn the coffee pot on, and I either look out the window, or I, if it's in the winter, I put the gas fireplace on, and I just stare, and I reflect. Um, I start off with gratitude, right? Like, I, I literally think I'm the most blessed person in the world, right? This opportunity that I've been given, so I start off with gratitude, and I start off really slowly. I think about my kids' beautiful faces, right? Like, I'm so lucky. I got these two gorgeous kids, nine and 10 years old. They are perfect in every single way. Then I think about my gorgeous wife, right? The prettiest person in the world. She walks in a room, everyone's like, wow, right? Um, and then I'm like, oh my God, look at this house. Like, this is an effing mansion, right? And I live in a relatively modest 2,700 square foot, you know, colonial. There's really nothing that special, but in my mind, like, this this is special. Like this is amazing. What an amazing business. Oh my god, I'm so lucky. Look at look look at this portfolio that I've been able to create, right? And then I have my coffee. I go down into my office. I organize my business. Um, from there, I So this is five o'clock in the morning. It's five o'clock in the morning. You are already you're now already in beast mode. Yeah. You're already there. People are still sleeping in the real estate game. Because they don't want it, Joe. They're talking about it, but they don't really want it. Or they could do it for a week, but they don't have the they don't have the discipline to do it every single day. And it, do it every single day for a decade and don't tell anybody about it, right? And that and that's how we've been able to build it, right? We we were selling a hundred homes a year. No one really knew because I'm still driving a Camry, Jessica was driving a Honda Pilot at that time, and what were we doing? We were buying more rentals, buying more rentals, buying more rentals, buying more rentals. It's amazing. It really is, that, it takes discipline. It's, it's financial discipline too, because people don't have financial discipline. And that's what it was, right? It was okay, let's zero our expenses, then let's pay this off, let's pay that off, let's pay this off, let's save here, let's save here. So, and, and think about the discipline it is, is if, if Joe, if you tomorrow morning, you know, let's let's move the calendar back, you know, I don't know, before the real estate market got insane, but tomorrow morning, if you had $350,000 in your bank account, I'm sure you'd be like, oh, I should go treat myself, right? We should go to Vegas, we should at least party one day. No, 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 I took the money and bought another house. And bought another house. Yeah, it wasn't Bar- Barbados t- for a week wasn't in the cards. Hawaii for the week's not in the cards. No. Not yet. Because that's not going to pay us forever. Because I knew if I could set up these streams of income, the Carp family will live like no one else for the rest of their lives. So 5 o'clock in the morning, you start, you start getting to work. Get, you know, go a little further now. Into yeah, it. so I start really diving into work. I start organizing my day. you got to be in front of the entire day, right? The day cannot own you, you have to own the day. So I come out to the day punching, right? So I set up all my emails and drafts, um, people who tech, because I go to bed very early, right? I go to bed at 8.30, 9 o'clock every single night. My mother always said nothing good came after 10 o'clock. It's true. Right? Wasn't that the Channel 5 TV commercial? Yeah, it's the truth. Right? Nothing ever good has come out of that. So 
Um, I start having all my emails from my staff set up for the day in drafts, just so I don't hit them at 4 a.m., 5.30 in the morning. I put them in a draft, so at like 8.30, 9 o'clock, when business hours supposedly start, because most real estate agents don't even wake up till 10 o'clock, you know, uh, but I start firing off emails. So I organize the business. Once I have the business organized, I do cardio, right? Uh, and I like really like, I'll show you a picture of my phone, like sweating. Like beads, beads. I don't want to look at my phone because it's probably on fire with all 18. Out. All out, you're like, out. Yeah, I want my heart ripping out of my chest, right? Because I'm going to lift to 100. So to lift to 100, you really got to put your body under stress. So I do that till I'm dripping sweat. And then from there, I'll do, you know, light weights three days a week. And then from there, it's usually around 7, 7.30, and the boys and Jessica are getting up for the day. So I will go spend some time with them. I, uh, a few days a week, I drive the kids to school. And then after that, boom, let's attack the day. You and you have and I remember one time you were telling me you, like you don't have you don't do your own laundry you have somebody you have an assistant yeah well and I, you I told have, me one time yeah. because Joe I don't have time to go do that that's time that I'm not making money it's more profitable for me to pay somebody to go do the laundry and have the assistant do that because I'm out there and I'm out there scouting I'm looking at the houses I'm doing yep. I'm selling we all have the same amount of hours in a day right I've just been able to master master the master of the day master of the hours by delegating and hiring people to help me with everything right i have someone in my business today who is called a runner i love uh salad dressing from this one place so every monday his job is to go pick up salad dressing right he does my dry cleaning right you know i'm all about when something comes to me it's who could i delegate it to because my goal is to create more time how do you create more time sleep less and wake up earlier and also bring in staff to help you um multiply is that an important thing that you think for successful people is to be able to delegate? To be able to delegate it and to be able to see what's the highest and best use of your time. And then also to see that that's not a good use of your time, right? So talk to me a little bit about now 2019. You're saying how the you, so saw, you saw a difference in the market. I saw the market was changing. And, you know, Jessica and myself, we have a large, large rental portfolio, right? So, you know, she looks at me and I look at her and we're like, wow, like this COVID thing might be for real. What if these tenants never pay us again? Right, but we're blessed and we set up our foundation where, you know, we have an emergency fund and we're all set up when and you know I didn't think about that for a second because you have all these rental properties and these people because of the COVID relief. Mm -hmm. I didn't mean to cut you off there, but I just want, you know, so the people that are listening here, it was a huge, huge issue during COVID that people these rent these renters, they thought because of Cuomo came out and said, You don't have to pay rent and you can't kick them out. Joe, the government went on the T V and said, You don't need to pay your landlord. But then what about your landlord, right? I'm sure he still has obligations, Yeah. right? They didn't give a shit about us. But, you know, the nice thing is that we set up our, we set up our, you know, portfolio. We set up our empire to be very well structured where we- Weather can, resistant. Weather resistance. We can weather the storm, right? You know, uh, talking back to Warren Buffett, you know, he said, you know, there was, he said, you should be more worried about a run on the banks than a, uh, a run on, uh, what's the name of his company? Uh, Berkshire, Berkshire Hathaway. Hathaway. He said, Berkshire well Hathaway is more well-funded than the United States government, right? So the Carp family, we built it the right way, right? We didn't, you know, today I could probably own 100 houses. I don't own 100 houses because I don't want to use leverage, right? I want to have a, my, my portfolio and I want to build out properly so it could weather a storm like COVID. So... You had something to say? No, good. Continue. So here yeah. comes that. Now here comes COVID. Now here comes COVID. Right? We're not concerned because if the tenants don't pay us, then we'll have to evict them when one day when we're allowed to evict tenants again. Right? Um, but we, 
it is what it is. Was it a problem for you? Uh, we had two or three. We had two or, you know, today we own, I think, about 22 or 23 doors. In the rental business, you count number of doors. You know, like, you know, not homes, not homes, doors, doors right? Because I, I didn't even think of that. Doors are very important. The more doors you have in your portfolio, the better, right? So I think at that time we had 20, 23 doors and there was probably three or four of the tenants that uh, were unable to pay at that time. But we spoke to them and we put them on payment plans and worked out. And, you know, up until today, everyone's paying. Everyone's. I have nothing but great things to say about tenants. There's some amazing people out there. How do you do that? How do you work that out when you have 22 doors, say? Do you go? Do they mail you? Is it Venmo now? Is yeah, there's it like, a lot you know, of different. There's a lot. Of, somebody that's in charge of collecting Jessica, the rent. Jessica's in charge of, of collecting. Oh, the rent. so she's working. Yeah, she, so, absolutely. Yeah, so she's, she's in it. Working. She that's, run, the, that's the best part. She she's runs doing the, the most important. She's doing the most important thing. To, yeah, right? getting collecting the favorite, money. My favorite day of the month is the first. Yeah, right. Everyone's and like some people. That's crazy that you say that, right? Because think about the dynamic here. Mm-hmm. Your favorite day is the first. Majority of the people in America, their worst day is the first because they gotta pay rent, they got a credit card, more, you know, car payment, whatever it may be, first of the month, that song by whatever it yeah, was. Yeah, absolutely. First of the month, Yeah, it's right? A, it, to me, it's, but a, for it, you, it's a favorite day because every single first of the month, all these checks come in. You know, and the other thing that, we'll, we'll, that I want everyone to really understand is during COVID, and we'll talk about what happened in the market and why it got so overinflated and what's really happening if people care about that. But during, you know, over the last two years when the government has inflated the dollar bill, right, and literally made it worthless, you know, the Carp family got a lot, lot more wealthy over the last two years. And the reason we did that is because all of our money and all of our finances is in real estate. Right? So while the real while the government inflated the dollar bill and made it worthless, what's the greatest hedge versus inflation? real estate, right? So while, you know, the person who owned one house went up, you know, every, they, I think they said on average everyone's houses went up between, you know, 60 and $100,000, right? Well, just imagine if you owned 20 houses, right? So the Carp family was very blessed because we got a lot more wealthy over the last two years because all of our money is in real estate, right? You know, listen, Joe, the end of every single year, um, December 30th, you know, of every single year, every single dollar that I have in my bank account I spend it. I go to zero. I go to zero at the end of every single year, but I spend every single dollar on real estate. I understand what you're saying. And then the next year I could start it all over again. So so talk to me though about now as an agent, mm-hmm. right? All of a sudden these prices, so they start going through the roof, right? And interest rates are down, yep. right? So tell me about your business. How all of a sudden you, you know, you go from you know, it being a buyer's market to a seller's market. But Joe, 2019, right? Um, I personally sold 205 houses that year. That's before COVID even existed. You know, the math, the math is, you know, when you say that, because I have a couple of friends that, you know, and and they know of you because, I mean, you are the biggest real estate agent on Long Island. I, I firmly believe that there's no bullshit in that. So when you talk about, you know, when, you know, when I'll be talking like, yeah, I'm having Brian Carp come in or I know Brian Carp mm-hmm. and somebody else knows Brian Carp. The first thing they say is the guy's a beast. The guy's a monster. But when you do the math and then you sit there and you start counting and you don't want to count other people's money and that's right. not something that you want to mm-hmm. do. But I mean, it's right there for you. 200 homes, right? At what? 4%. The average home is probably $500,000. It's a, it, it's. You're in millions of dollars. It's a, it's a, it's a lot of money. But look at you. But what did I do with the money? There's nothing fancy. There's no watches, 
right? There's no nice cars. Every single dollar we paid our tithe, right? So Jessica and myself, we tied. So what does that mean? Every dollar that comes into the Carp household, we, you know, we reinvest. You we, put it back. Well, no, the, the tithe is, is so the, the way it works is, you know, we, we tithe. So every single dollar comes in, a tithe is 10%, right? So um, you can go back to, you know, the Bible, you can go back to the Torah. It talks back uh, as far as you can go back is, is tithing. Tithing is giving to either your church, your temple, or things that, you know, drive you in your heart. So, you know, Jessica and myself, we have an account called the tithe fund. So every single dollar that comes into the household, we take a percentage off and put into the tithe fund. And that allows us to do amazing things. That allows us to, we're doing a huge fundraiser this year, July 9th. We're able to give money to whoever we want, right? So, you know, as I said, like this is literally a winning lotto ticket and I am so lucky to be where I am today. So I need to be a, uh, the, the best steward of it. And I think that's one of the reasons why, like to me, this is, this, is, this is not even reality. So for me to have this incredible opportunity, I have to be the best steward. It always blows me away when these like NFL athletes, they're running around with guns, they're running around cheating on people, they're running around, you know, um, saying the wrong thing, doing the wrong thing. They didn't, they didn't realize the opportunity they were given, right? I'm given this, this gift, right, to be where I am today. I am going to be the best steward of it as humanly possible. Talk to me about the difference, though, of selling a house when it's now people are outbidding. It's got to be a good feeling, though, as, a, as an agent, right? May, does it make your job easier? Well, it's easier. But listen, 2019, I did 205 houses. That's before COVID even existed. And then 2020 was an amazing year, over 200 houses. Last year, 265 houses. Like, it's, it's just made it where it's made it easier to move real estate, but it's also made it more stressful because you have to help your sellers to, to, to figure out what's the what's the best offer, what's the best terms, and you have to help them, you know, make the time it perfectly and make sure that the way that they're structuring the deal and the deal gets done. So it's made agents look like superstars, but you have to be more educated and understand the market more. And also be able to guide your clients when do, when do we pull things back? When do we not sell? When do we sell? When? How do you time it perfectly? Are you nervous at all? Because you know, people may say now, listen, the market's probably going to crash. Housing market's next. Interest rates are starting to go up. How do you navigate through that as a real estate agent? Well, you have to know it. The problem is a lot of these agents out here don't know anything, right? So, you know, listen, the only way to stop inflation is raise interest rates. Right, so for anyone to think that interest rates weren't going to be raising, they don't. They they, they don't know the they, game. They, they don't know the game, right? Um, if you look at you know today, maybe interest rates are five and a half percent. That's historically low, right? My first house was six and a half percent. So you know, for people to say that the interest rates today are too high, well. They were six and a half percent, you know, back in 2008 and 2009. Yeah, I was at seven. Right, and if you could lock in your monthly overhead today for the next 30 years, it's still a great investment. It's still an incredible investment. You know, you one time said to me, and you said it a couple of times here, that now you're about giving back and you're also about, can you pull up his video that we we had there, that video that I, I just wanna play? You know, you, you're doing also, you did a reality show, right? Yep. Can you talk a little bit about that? I thought that was a fantastic idea. Can you just give me a little brief? Sure. And we're uh, the second season is actually going to be dropping uh, late next month. So tell me a little bit about that. How, so, what, what made you think about that? How did that thought get somebody to came, Somebody came to me. Um, you know, uh, a friend of mine came to me who's got a media company and wanted to do a reality show called The Real Estate Protégé. And basically what we did is we put out into Long Island uh, the opportunity to 
um, become my next team member and join my team and start to learn how I've created my wealth and built my business. It's almost like The Apprentice, in a way. Just like The Apprentice, exactly, just like The Apprentice. And basically, you have to be willing to give up your life for five days, and we ran these young, old agents from 4 a.m. till 10, 11 o'clock at night, and they ran with me. And then at the end of the entire, and we had different challenges, some real estate, some sales, some just endurance, some just like ethics, right? Are you a good person? Do you, you know, do you understand the way that I've built my business, my empire? The reason I, I do things like this, you know, I do did your show because I love you as a person, but I also did it because I want people to understand that, you know, when you start to win and start to achieve, there's certain things that you're supposed to do. You're supposed to pull people up with you. You're supposed to help people. You're supposed to give it all away so you can show people how it was done. So I thought this was a great opportunity for me to show agents like how I run my life, right? How I play my game and how I really just, I'm just using real estate to get me to where I want to be. Real estate is a great blessing for me, my real estate business, but it's just a byproduct. Real estate just gave me the influence, the success, and the money I wanted to to sit at this table. Joe, today's day one for me. Right. What I mean by today's day one is today I'm finally at the table that I always knew that I was deserving to play at as a business owner, an entrepreneur that can do what he wants to do. At, and basically at that cul-de-sac, right? At that cul-de-sac. Right. With the doctors and the lawyers. Yeah. Right. But honestly, you know, you walk around that with because that's what society thinks success is, a doctor and a lawyer. But to me, the they, they, they don't they, they don't have the rental portfolio. Right, they're not going to leave a legacy to their kids' kids, right? You know, and, and the, the thing I'm able to show everybody, and the, I do it for my kids, is so I graduated from college, and for some crazy reason, I thought owning a house was my God-given right. I don't know why. Right? My parents came from the projects, um, but they bought a house, and I just thought it was my God-given right. Right? I want Brody and Brock. Right, I want them to think that their God-given right isn't to own one house, it's to own multiple houses. And the way that mommy and daddy get their money is from the tenants, right? I'm just changing their mindsets. I've, I have a gift that I'm able to hear something, listen to something, see something, and immediately it changes my mind and I'm able to say, okay, I could do that, right? I wanna teach my kids that it's the exact same thing, right? Mommy and daddy don't just own one house, we own multiple houses. And what do we do? We collect rent. You know, and also think about their lives. You know, it, whether they work or they don't work, at the end of the day, they have income coming in because of what you built, what you and your wife built, should right. I say. Like, exactly. Yeah, and that's gotta be a gratifying feeling, right? That's gotta be something that you can hang your hat on. And here you are, it's not enough. Now you're at the point in your life, and you know, I want you to just describe this video for us here. Sure. Um, now you're at the point in your life that you're giving back, which probably feels like feels great too. There's nothing better, in my opinion, than being able to give back. You can't get, you can't, until you have abundance, right? It's very hard to give. So you need to get yourself to abundance, right? You need to live in abundance. I live in abundance, right? There's uh, me, me and another real estate agent, we're f not fighting over the same piece of business. There's an infinite amount of business out there, right? So now, and I've always been like this. Listen, Having the blessing of money, it just accelerates who you are already. If you're a douche and a dick, you're just going to be a bigger douche and a dick, right? But if you're a good person, having money and influence just 
it enables ma- you to be a better person. Yeah, even more. it magnifies it. Yes, right. It magnifies it. Yes, I agree with you 100. It helps. It helps me bless more people. It helps me help more people. Tell me about this video that we're about to play here. Okay. Uh, what, what what made you? Do you know what video we're playing? I don't know. Okay, so let's just play it, just and play then it. We'll yeah, it out. and then we'll figure it out. Go ahead. That's a video that was made for lead-ins when I'm doing speaking engagements to like, you know, before I walk out. Oh, I love it. It's a great video. Oh, I I fucking love it. And you know what you get out of that? You don't give a fuck about what anybody thinks. It's it's just laser focused. And it's all real estate. You put, you're putting every single thing into it. I have to tell you just by, you know, having you and listening to you, it's, it's really inspiring. It's very contagious, to be honest with you. Do people tell that, Thank say you. that about you? Yeah, p- people do. Yeah, I've because you, know, you sit there and you, know, you are at a different level. And then I look at my life and I'm like, what the fuck are you doing watching Breaking Bad and, you know, episode after episode, Game of Thrones. But I, enjoy, but I enjoy, like, that's what I enjoy. Like, I enjoy finding business. I enjoy hustling. I enjoy, you know, I enjoy finding the next rental, the next development project. Like, that's my hobby, right? Everyone's like, Brian, get a, get a hobby. Take up golf, right? My family and health and fitness are my only other hobbies besides rental real estate and my business. But what do you do though? Let's 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 get out of the real estate realm for a second, okay? okay? What does make you happy besides selling real estate? I mean, do you travel at all? Do you go away? Do you take, you know, you have this wealth, right? And and I could just imagine what it, you know, the bottom dollar is. You have this wealth though, but you know, some people would say, what good is it if you can't use it and and enjoy it? Yeah, right? but what what it, Enjoy, I, I'm enjoying every day. Like this is what I I'm doing. What I enjoy. So you're saying, getting up at five a.m. and writing those emails and making sure the business is right and then collecting those checks on the first of every month and working but, out until I almost pass out. Pass That's out. What I enjoy. Yeah. But that blows away. Say a trip to Bora Bora for you. Yeah. And listen, we we you know. T- today and I'll, and I'll tell you a sto- I'll tell you a story and and I only I only share this stuff with everybody to try to change their minds a little bit but it was Jessica's 40th birthday um I don't know a few months back right it was Jessica's 40th birthday a few months back and w- I wanted to do something special so uh reached out to her sisters and my brother and a few other people and I said listen guys Come down to Florida, and if you get down to Florida, I'm going to pay for it, right? I'm going to rent the hotel rooms. We're going to go out to dinner. We're going to drink. We're going to have a great who are you talking, time. When you say guy, who are you talking Jessica's about? Jessica's inner circle, her friends. Uh, okay, it's great. Right? Unbelievable. So um, I was able to pay for all of it, right? But I paid for it with half of what my passive income is a month, 
right? So I want people to understand that once you could, if you could build, if you could build the right foundations, right? Then you could start doing, you could start to buy the Range Rover. You could have the gorgeous watch, but you should be doing that not with your earned income. You should be doing that with your passive income, right? So I was able to bless all of these people, have a great time, make a memory that we're going to remember forever, but I was able to do that with a portion of our passive income. That makes a lot of sense. So business savvy of you to really put that in perspective like that. You're not using the payroll that you're making. You're making it that this is the extra income, so it really never affects the main business at all. That main business, that engine, that car, those cogs, are real, they're still running, Yep. right? And it's just that there that you're doing it. And that's why you're able to continue the success. Right, and I wanted to always be able to do things like that, but I had to be patient with the business to, to build it the right way so one day I can do that, right? We're going to go to Egypt for my 40th birthday, right, with the whole family. And we're going to be able to do that with a portion of our passive income. And you're not even worried. Like, you go out, you don't worry about, oh, my God, this is $200. I can't do it. I, you know, Or the bill comes and you see that the restaurant bill, the food bill is, say, maybe $280. You're at the point in your life that that's nothing. Right. It, listen, it, it, it's still always you have to be conscious of money. Right. It bothers me when they 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 the one of the uh, uh, M&T, we have a, a business account there and they charge us two dollars a month for paper statements. That's bullshit. I, I don't want paper statements. I don't want to be charged two dollars a month for it. So it still bothers you regardless of you know how wealthy and how successful you become. You should never lose sight because we, we came from nothing. Right. We Jessica and myself went dolo the first few years. Right. My first bank account had four hundred dollars in it. I, I could see the little EAB book that goes up and down like this where you write it in on that. Why do you think people, you know, um, struggle in life to be successful with money, finances? What can you give? What can you say to people that are watching this right now? What advice can you give for people that are sitting there struggling right now and they, they can't find themselves? Well, first, you got to find your passion. Right. Got to find something you're hyper obsessed with and that you love doing and then build a business around that. And then you also have to live below your means, really live below your means. Sounds like that's very important to you. We did that. We yeah. still doing that. You still are. I know. Still You're still driving that car, that car that you had there. That it's in the parking around. lot. Let's go right now. Yeah. It's right there. But the car's still there. We're still living way below our means. We're still get. You know, we're still giving more than we could ever. We've ever given. That's the great thing about you know becoming successful and building wealth is you can give more than you ever gave. But it, it's. It, Get a everyone should every single person out there who wants more get a side hustle, right? Get a side hustle and start generating some more money, just like you did, just like I did. Real estate was my side hustle. The real estate was your side hustle, and then it became into your passion. Then it became into my passion, and then my life, right? It is my life. It's, this is not my job or my business. This is my life. Before we uh, close it out here, give me Brian Carp in ten years from now. What is Brian Carp doing differently than he's doing today? We're still working out. We're still spending a ton of time with, you know, now Now that, you know, we uh, start to build out the right systems and started some other businesses. We're spending even more time with our family and our friends, which is great. I'm able to buy my time back now, which is amazing. In 10 years, I think it's, I, I love selling houses. I don't know if I could ever stop totally and really selling houses. that's different i mean when we were working out together well not together at the mm -hmm. same gym in la fitness there was one time that we were in the locker room mm -hmm. and you said to me 
there's going to be a time that I want to stop doing it all. I'm building up to that point, but you're so addicted to it that you, well, can't, you, I, yeah. you love it so I much. I love it so much. I love you it. I love it so much. You can't do it. Now, do Look I, at you. Do I need to personally sell 200 homes a year anymore? No. I've already, for me to keep trying to be the number one real estate agent, um, it, it, that doesn't do me any justice. Why am I going to continue to play versus myself? I've already achieved that, right? So you're saying you've you you've got number one. I won the game multiple years in a row, and now for I have you, the trophies to show it, right? So to me, it's now what's the I next? Love it. What's the next? I love I love the it oozes out of you. It's contagious. I really do love it. I really it doesn't come I across hope it, arrogant. I, I hope it, it doesn't. doesn't. It doesn't. It if anything. You, you know, it depends on the person you're talking to. If you're talking to somebody that has a little bit of what Brian Carp is about, mm -hmm. then it's going to motivate them to want to be better, a better person. If you're talking to somebody that doesn't want to put in work, that doesn't want to be successful, it'll come across as, fuck him, he's too much, right. I can't be around him. Right. Right? But for, for me, sitting there, it's like, oh, man. He's up at four. Maybe I gotta get up at you know three thirty. Yeah. Right. He's looking at the. He's working out and you know for an hour doing cardio. Six. You know three days doing cardio. Six days. Maybe six I gotta days. Do thirty seven. minutes. Five hundred calories every session. You're counting calories. Yeah. You're doing every everything. I'm a imagine. machine. I'm a robot. Right. I'm an NFL athlete. You want to make millions and millions of dollars a year? You better sure treat yourself that way. It's amazing. Tell me a little bit about. Okay, so you, you know, give me. So some ten years, I don't know. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. To be totally honest with you. Um, do you have something else that you have your eyes on, like you know, a different business? I'm, I'm moving doing? into. Uh, I'm do moving into real estate development. I'm moving into syndication. I'm moving to other things of real estate. But I am. I'm not. You know, I built. Uh, I have an amazing. I started another business uh, about two years ago, or maybe a year and a half ago. Uh, the education space. So I started a new business called the Illiterate Millionaire. The illiterate um, millionaire. millionaire. So what I basically did is realize that in real estate, and I brought you a t-shirt for it too as well. And there, there, there it are. is. There it is. Yeah. Look uh, at that guy. Look at that guy. Look so at that guy. What I realized is that there's nobody really, um, there's nobody really teaching and training uh, real estate agents how to build a seven-figure real estate business. And I've been able to build a seven-figure real estate business without buying, you know, leads and paying for advertisements and stuff like that. So what I did is I built an entire uh, sales course. And all real estate agents have to do is go to the illiteratemillionaire.com. And they need to sign up for it. And it's basically 40 video modules of me teaching you every capacity of real estate. And I pull back the curtain of my business, Joe. I teach everyone how I went from selling three houses to my friends and family to over 200 homes a year. How much is it to join that class? It's uh, $3,000. <laughs> Look at you. I love it. $3,000 is is a drop in the bucket to get into this inside this mind. And I it have, really is a bargain. It, it, it is a bargain. And if they get one diamond, if they get one nugget of gold in the real estate capacity, you know, it could pay for itself 10 times over. I also do one-on-one -on -one coaching, which is much, much more expensive where I do one-on-one -on -one coaching with real estate agents. And it's the same thing. And that, and, and it's, and $3,000 is a bargain for this course. I only started the course because I had so many people reach out to me for one-on-one -on -one coaching um, in real estate and in life that I didn't have any more time. I couldn't give any more. So I started, I did the course so everybody could afford that or hopefully save up to afford that. Um, but 100%, the students that I do one-on-one -on -one coaching with, and I had one this morning, you know, they pay a huge ticket for that. And the reason they do that is because to, that hour with me, they get it all, 
right? And if I can open up one thing, unpack one thing, unlock one thing for them, it could totally change their life and their business. How do people, if they wanted to do, if they're saying, you know what, I want to get involved in real estate and I would love mm-hmm. have, to have a mentor like Brian Carp, how would they be able to get in touch with you? Yes. What is it they do? You have an email address or a contact? Sure, they, they can do? find me uh, on social media. Uh, I have a, uh, you know, uh, a following on social media. They can find me on Instagram, which is Brian Carp Li. Uh, Brian's with a Y. They could just throw Brian Carp um, into Google, and I'll come up. Uh, you could email me at soldbybrian.com. But you know, listen. If you guys only remember my name, just put Brian Carp into Google. One of my websites, one of my platforms will pop up. Send me a message. Send me a DM, a text. Listen, anything I could do to help somebody is it's my pleasure. You know, and you sit there and say, you know, they pay a pretty penny to have that one-on-one with you. Mm-hmm. People have to understand that one hour that you're going to give them. I'm losing money. I'm losing money yes, by doing that. That's what I'm saying. hundred percent. Like it's gotta be worth it for you. Like you know, and I'll give you an example real quick. You know, in, in my law practice, if I for me to take a case, it's gotta be worth it for me because yeah. I know I can't at the end of the day I don't wanna lose any money. That hour for you I'm losing money with it and I and I have students, you know, and I only I only take on five one on one students at any given time and some of them are really trying to move their business to the next level and get to seven figures in real estate. They might meet with me once a week. I have some that meet once a month. I only take on five, but I'm losing money. The reason I don't take on ten or twenty, which I have people waiting, is because I'm losing money with that hour because the amount of money I'm able to build in any of my other businesses today. What's the most expensive house that you sold? Uh, most expensive house that I, I ever sold was probably you know just under two million. <laughs> it's not even that expensive. It's, it's not, well, you're, 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 and you're, you just gotta change your mind to stop thinking that something wasn't. So I'm obsessed, and I probably said this to you, I, I'm, I'm obsessed with um, Roger Bannister, right? You know who Roger Bannister is. No, I know who's Roger Bannister. Roger Bannister. Pa- pull, pull him up. Yeah, Roger Bannister was the first person to ever run the four-minute mile, right? So before Ro- oh, he was the guy. He was it was that was in World War Two almost, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, back yeah. in the day, right? Nobody and, thought he could do well, it. They, they literally thought the human and grab one of those black and whites because that's what I always look at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know this. I know. They literally thought the human heart would rip out of the chest, right? And then once Roger, once Roger uh, accomplished this, multiple other people, Joe, behind him- Did it. Did it. Why? Because the brain was able to comprehend that, right? So you're saying that something's a lot of money. It's because you've decided it's a lot of money, but it's not. For you, I know exactly what you're saying. Mm-hmm. For you, Two million is two hundred thousand. Could but be whatever. It, but no, it's not. It's a lot. Of, it's a lot of fucking money. But stop thinking that you can't build something or achieve something that will be able to get you to where that is. It's a mindset. It's a mindset. It goes it's all, all mindset. Back. It this all goes is, back listen, to it. Listen, you want to break Brian. You want to cut Brian Carp open. It's discipline and mindset. That's it. And and before you know, and last thing here, if people like you said, you said you're on social media. Are you on Twitter at all? Do you I'm do not any on of Twitter? It? So you don't, and you, I don't run my my. I create the content for it, but I have my staff that distributes. So, distribute so it. you're not sitting there on Instagram. You're not sitting there on TikTok. You're not looking at any of these things. You are just twenty four seven focused on building this empire. I'm building this real estate empire. Is that what it takes? Is that the difference between you and say a different real estate agent that is struggling today that can't find their way? Yeah, well, because they're they're not they're not playing they're not playing uh, at this. I, I'm an ex athlete, right? So what I realize is in when I was playing in high school, I used to get these things called dopamine hits, right? I used to get a dopamine hit when we won the football game. I used to get the dopamine hit when I made a big tackle. I've just transferred that energy into real estate and into building, you know, the empire. What's the dopamine hit for you now? 
Now is it it's the not. Sold, is it the you know? Is it the contract? The sold, it's not the sold house. What is it? It's buying another rental and adding another stream of income. That's all it is. It's all it right? is. So to me, that to me, that's the biggest thing of discipline, right? So the biggest thing of discipline is, you know, right now we just bought a two-family house in Ronkonkoma that we're renovating. So it was a the purchase of that house, right? The discipline of saving up enough money, right? So what does that mean? Let, let's really break it down, right? I, I had to save up three hundred sixty thousand dollars so I could write a check for that house, right? So think about all of the. Home sellers, I had to help and serve in a, in a high level to make that money. Then I had to pay my tithe, right, to God or whatever you believe. Then I had to pay my taxes like a good American, right? I, I needed to live my life. I still needed to save up that money. Then from there, the house is a shit show. I need to make enough money to build it to where it needs to be. Then I need to find someone to rent it. And then we'll collect five grand. From that house, a month. it's a two-family. It's a two-family, legal two-family. It's special, but just look at the discipline and time. Right, this will probably take me a year to get the place perfectly renovated. We have to, you know, have a, a tenant uh, vacated from the house. There's a lot of moving parts with that. The discipline in the waiting for it, waiting for it. Instead of hey, if someone handed you four or five hundred thousand dollars, you could probably live off of that for a few years like a rock star. No, 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 no. no. We're disciplined with it. We're slow. We're steady. We're strategic. I love it. Brian, I got to say, I really appreciate you coming on here today. It was It's an amazing thing. Your story is amazing. You are a machine. Thank you. A, a, a total machine. And, you know, people, you know, it's that saying Jim Rohn said, uh, motivational speaker. He says, you know, you are with the five people you hang out with. If people could have one Brian Carp and the four are just duds. They'll be a better person because of it. I appreciate that. Yeah, really. I really thank no, you. No, it was a pleasure. I had so much fun. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, for people to uh, that follow the show, make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's on Rumble. We're streaming on every device, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, all of them. And with that being said, we're out. Peace. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. But that wraps it up for another edition of the Joe Cozo Show. <laughs> <laughs>